Welcome to one more edition of Politics on Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here with us. We have a great guest today, John Perkins. John Perkins. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Is an author and activist whose 10 books on global intrigue, shamanism, and transformation, including his new book, Touching the Jaguar, shape-shifting, and the classic confessions of an economic hitman has been uh, it on the New York Times bestseller list for more than 70 weeks, sold over 2 million copies, and are published in 35 languages. Fortune 500, or rather, uh, as a chief economist at a major consulting firm, he advised the World Bank, University, United Nations, Fortune 500 corporations, U.S. and other governments. He regularly speaks at universities, economic forums, and shamanic uh, gatherings around the world, and is a founder and board member of the nonprofit organizations, the Pachamama Alliance and Dream Change. John Perkins, welcome to Politics on Red. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Egberto. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here with you. Hey, look, it, uh, let me tell you, it's great having you. Um, I, before I interviewed you, I listened to a whole lot of your work, uh, you know, uh, and in watching what you had to say, I mean, I, I know the people at Politics Done Right are going to love you. I know that the people in the different domains where we are, are going to get some inspiration from you because what you're talking about are things that we need to talk about now. There is a breakdown of your book, uh, and before we get into the, the, the new stuff, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, you had a little snippet that really rang aloud. It says, life is composed of a series of coincidences over which we have no control. Once we are presented with such coincidences, we gave choices. How we respond, the actions we take in the face of coincidence makes all the difference. COVID-19 has changed everything. What can we get out of that coincidence? Yeah, well, that's, that is, Egberto, before we get started, I just want to show you that I'm surrounded by Jaguars. Here's- Oh, here's wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's actually a little American kid, but she looks a lot like a baby Jaguar. The reason I bring it up is because you may hear meow once in a while, and that's, that's her. She's only eight that's weeks perfect. old. perfect. Very, very curious. So this coincidence that's hit us uh, of the COVID-19 and also all that's going on around police brutality, white uh, privilege, white, you know, racial discrimination, all of this is going on. How do we deal with these things? Yes, this is our fate in a way. These are coincidences, but they're not coincidences. They're happening to us for a reason. And I like to remember a story, a true story, uh, a woman high in the Andes Mountains of Ecuador, a Quechua-speaking woman named Maria Juana. What a great name, huh? Maria Juana. Mm -hmm. Maria Juana. <laughs> Maria Juana Yamberla. And, and uh, she was a shaman lady, and, and 
I, I take groups there every year to, to her and to other shamans in, in many parts of Latin America. And uh, a few years back, I was translating for a group. One of the people asked, so Maria Juana, um, how do we save the earth? And she laughed and she said, the earth's not in danger. We are. And we'll take a lot of other species with us. But right now, we're like so many fleas. And if we get to be too much of a nuisance, she'll just shake us all off. And then Maria Juana points up at this volcano that hovers over her home, high in the Andes. And she says, just a few years ago, that volcano was covered with a massive ice cap. It isn't anymore. The ice cap's gone. Pachamama, Mother Earth, is twitching. She isn't shaking us off yet, but she's warning us. And we all listen to these messages. And you know, Egberto, that all over, during the years since then, every time there's been a major hurricane or flood or, or fire, uh, I've thought about that. But you know, we've taken these events as local. So you're in Houston. If you happen to survive a hur hurricane in Houston, Several. You, would, you would expect the outside world to come to your rescue fairly soon, bringing in bottled water or food or, or whatever. In Houston, it might already be there, but there's parts of the world where you, you expect that. But so we just kind of chuck these things up to, yeah, local, we'll go back to normal. This virus, and now there's this awareness of, of the social and, and racial inequalities that we have uh, are hitting the whole world. You know, this is no longer a local event. There is no outside world. And so each time Pachamama is speaking to us, and you can look at this completely from the scientific standpoint, you know, of, of the, the, we've cut back on our economic growth and it's, it's changed things. The animals are coming back in many, we can see stars in places where nobody ever saw stars before. Imagine that, yeah. Imagine that. Or you can look at it shamanically. The earth is a living creature that speaks to us. But either way, we're being told that we've got to change. And this, this pandemic is, is, is hitting us so hard. But I gotta say, you know, if we don't listen, if we don't, if we don't change as a result of this, permanently, if we don't realize there's got to be a new normal, we've got to go from. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. An old failing system to a new one that will be regenerative and work. We'll probably get hit even harder next time. And, you know, I, I actually think uh, we are not even through a first phase here. So this could actually be the time. Now, uh, in, in several of uh, the, the, the talks that you've had, you've talked about empire. And one, one thing about empire is that they all fall. How they fall is kind of interesting. One of the things you've said is, well, you don't want this to fall. You want us as activists to really get involved to make sure that we don't fall. But what we do is change. Now, um, COVID-19, I see this, I see the way the rest of the world responds to it and how we are. And we are dramatically 
worse than let's say China and the European Union, which are doing fairly well comparatively, uh, do you think this is one of the things that could actually break, destroy us as being the leading empire? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd when you think about it, isn't it, that the wealthiest country in the history of the world is also the one country that can't seem to really handle the virus, and we should be able to. Uh, we've, we spend as much money on military as the next 10 countries combined, and <clears throat> we build these defense systems that aren't helping us in the least bit defend ourselves from this, this thing that's, that's it's killed more people than World War I or, or Vietnam and Korea combined more of our soldiers. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're being shown, the empire was already in decline. Uh, we all know that China has been slowly, not even, not very slowly, but sort of replacing, you know, moving in to take over a superpower. Uh, you know, you're from Panama. I, I just came back from Central America and South America. I spent a lot of time, and, and China's huge, having huge impact throughout the, the, you know, the Southern Hemisphere. And, yeah, this, and, and we're being shown here. China's got a much bigger population, but it's dealt with this virus much better. One of the things I find very, very interesting uh, is that, so China has a basically a dictatorship, an authoritarian government, but everybody listens to it and respects it. And when they tell you to wear masks, you, they wear masks. And the United States, we, we elect our government, but we don't listen to it. So, you know, and even the, even the government doesn't listen to itself, you know. <laughs> Trump, is wearing, Trump is not wearing a mask, even though all of, all, of his, all of his medical advisors tell us all we should be wearing masks. What does that say about us? You know, it's, it's very, very interesting how, how this is happening. Well, and how happening you else. know, you speak a lot about capitalism and you, you came from a, uh, first of all, tell me a little bit before you, before you made your transition, you were an economist, you, were, uh, you worked in, in the field, you were a true capitalist, weren't you? Yes, yes, and, and, and I guess I would say I, I am a capitalist in the purest sense of the word, that capitalism, to me, the, def the, the, the definition of capitalism is it's a system where the, uh, the means of production and, and commerce are not owned by the government, they're owned by individuals, and it has healthy, fair competition. Uh, well, we have a system that where, where the means of production are not owned by the government, they're owned by individuals, but the individuals own the government. So we've turned this around in the United States where we know that nobody gets elected. That's the policy, yeah. Yeah, and we don't have fair competition. You know, the, we've got oligarchies and monopolies. And yeah, you may, in your local community, there might be two coffee shops vying with each other. Uh, competitively, but if Starbucks comes in, it can drive them both out of business. The same with, with all kinds of stores that, 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 that Walmart or, or one of the big box companies could, will drive out of business. So we, what, what we have today, I think, is, is something we could call a global, uh, a, a global predatory capitalism. It's an aberrant I, of capitalism. It's not, it's not, the, it's not the purest form. My grandson's lemonade stand is capitalism. Right. And all the little local markets, farmers markets, that's capitalism. And what we have today is something that's taken that to an extreme. And it's a very, it's an extreme that's destroying uh, the planet as we know it. Well, you know, I've decided not to, uh, on, on, in, in my narrative, I've decided just to let capitalism be what the current capitalists decide they want it to be and use the very simple term 
I surely believe in free enterprise. And by leaving it at free enterprise, I leave the capitalism to those who are doing with capitalism what they do with capitalism to make the argument or to make the discussion rather simple. But um, in, 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 in questioning uh, our current form of capitalism uh, that we have right now, uh, we know it's not sustainable. How do we migrate? How do we migrate to what we should have? And what do you call what we should have? based so on sustainability the, and everything else. Yeah, so the book, uh, Touching the Jaguar, Transforming Fear into Action to Change Your Life in the World, is totally based, I mean, the, the main, a main theme is that our reality is molded by our perceptions. And so, you know, you, you, you've got this perception behind you of a world that's on fire, and, and it's an ocean that's on fire, and that's a perception of what can can happen. And but let's let's make let's let's not let it happen. <laughs> you know, let's, but let's be on fire spiritually and intellectually to turn this thing around. This what we have today is an economic system that a lot of economists are referring to as a death economy. It's more than economic; it's a governmental, social, economic system, and it's based on one perception. And that perception is that the only goal of business should be to maximize short-term profits, essentially for a few wealthy individuals. Milton Friedman. Yeah, that's right. Milton Friedman, 1976, won the Nobel Prize and said that the only responsibility is to maximize short-term profits regardless of the social and environmental costs. And that's created this system that, that gives CEOs the right, even the mandate, to do whatever they think is necessary to maximize short-term profits. And that includes destroying long-term resources upon which their very business depends. It, it, it includes destroying the environment. It, it, it includes exploiting people. It, it includes racias, racism. It, it, it includes corrupting politicians. And now they, you can corrupt politicians legally. You know, Campaign financing and so forth is legal, but that's a form of corruption. There's no question about it. If you, from the strictest, from, from, the, from, the, from the deepest sense of Citizens that. United McCutcheon, yeah. Yeah, so, so we've created this perception. I mean, we've, we've used this perception of maximizing profits to create an economic system that today is failing us. And, but all we have to do is change that perception and turn it around to the, 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 the goal of business is to maximize long-term benefits for people and nature. That we pay investors a decent rate of return to pay people to clean up the environment, uh, to rejuvenate destroyed resources, devastated, rejuvenate devastated environments, and to create new technologies, to recycle, to create technologies that use wind and, and, and solar much more efficiently even than we are today, that, that create energy from air and, and so on and so forth. There's such an amazing opportunity here for us to create what we can call a life economy, an economic system that is itself regenerative and is, is itself a renewable resource. All we have to do is change our perception so that the Time Magazine's person of the year becomes you or becomes whoever is doing is taking a leadership role in transforming the death economy to a life economy and you know we it's it's a simple change of perception now a simple change of perception that requires work <laughs> you know, yes but the starting point is to change our definition of what it means to be successful human beings on this planet 
no longer it's about accumulation of material things and, and maximization of that. It's now about long-term benefits, but what we might even call spirituality. I, I love, I- this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I love the way you put that, the change of perception, because that, that is present. That, I mean, that is extremely important. Um, I have interviewed real capitalists, and sorry for not calling you a real capitalist, but I've inter- interviewed real capitalists, and we've been on panels before, and uh, when I propose certain types of policies, they would say things like, uh, well, how would that affect business? And my answer to them is, what comes first, humanity or business? I says, right now, we create business and force humanity to uh, adapt to what to, to business shouldn't we adapt business to the needs of humanity first and in 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 and, and a corollary to that would be the needs to humanity vis-a-vis the need of the environment the need of everything that makes things sustainable your thoughts on that well i, I totally agree with you there's no question about it um, the question is how do we get how do we make that happen and i i have to say that I speak at a lot of big economic forums. I, I was recently speaking at to 12, one of which was 12,000 people there in, in St. Petersburg, Russia, including President Putin and Secretary General of the United Nations, uh, uh, Gutierrez and, and others. And you know, in these conferences, I, I meet with CEOs and people in high positions afterwards, or all kinds of people from the United States, big corporations at this, these meetings. And during the over a glass of wine and cheese or the reception, you know, we have a talk and they'll say, you know, I like your ideas and I want my company to be very green. I have children, I have grandchildren, but I know that if, if in the process of being green, I lose half a percentage of market share, I'll be fired. My main investors will fire me and replace me with someone who only cares about market share. That's a dilemma that these people are in, regardless of what their beliefs are. And they'll say to me, so please, as you're speaking to people, as you're speaking to this show right now, uh, ask, the, ask the viewers to send me an email. So I, I would say, you know, any viewer, pick a corporation, Walmart, Nike, Exxon, whatever corporation you want, and write them emails or tweets or whatever and say, hey, I love your product, but I'm not going to buy it anymore until you pay your workers in Indonesia a fair salary or, or clean up the environment, you've, the, the oil spills you've done, whatever it is. And, and, and send it to them and send it to all your social networking circles and ask them to send it to the company and ask them to send to all their social networking circles. And when executives have enough of these, they can go to their top investors and say, hey, we gotta listen to our, uh, we've gotta listen to our, to these things. There's 100,000 of these, these come from our customers. We've gotta listen to them. And so I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to excuse executives and there are obviously some that are sociopaths, but they also have to listen to their customers. <laughs> and, but I am saying that, you know, they're ruled by Wall Street. They're ruled by the investors, and they know that. And these guys are vulnerable. We, the people, the consumers, the employer, the employees, the consumers, the employees, and the investors, us, 
We have to make these changes happen. You know, John, in listening to you and listening to your narrative, there's a certain dichotomy. Um, I, I hear you are an environmentalist. You want sustainability. You want all these things. But I, I, I still see you uh, very vested, and tell me if I'm wrong, very vested within the corporate structure as if, let's say, the, the policy of, let's say, stocks, corporate, where there are shareholders, corporations, uh, leading down in sort of a hierarchical manner towards then employees and otherwise. Do I understand that right? Or Well, yeah, I think I, it's fair to say I'm, I'm, I'm an idealist, mm -hmm. maybe a visionary, in that I, I see how it takes perception. First is, comes the perceptual change. And then you have to touch the jaguar that keeps you from realizing the perception. And in this case, a big jaguar is the corporations. Uh, the corporations control the world right now, tr truly. I mean, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And, and so it, it, it doesn't do any good to say, let's get rid of corporations, because I don't see that happening, not in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it'll happen in your lifetime, but, but maybe it'll happen in my grandson's lifetime. But right now, it's what we're dealing with. This is the power structure. And there's, a way, and there's a way to get in there and change the power structure. And we, the people, have the power to do that if we just come together to okay. do it. It's about changing perception. That, that, that's a great clarification because, um, you know, my, my theory, uh, first of all, I, I get exactly what I said. I think that is how those people who are voting for uh, Biden, let's say me inclusive, uh, would be looking for uh, a change, not, not getting the particular change uh, that we want, but it is, and I don't want to call incremental change because I've written against incremental change, but getting, getting, getting the necessary step to move to the change that we actually want. So um, my, my concern is with all the things that we want, I cannot see a system in which there are, uh, there are investors of the type that we have today, shareholders of the type that we have today, where uh, personal, where people's values and people's needs would take precedence over profits. I, I don't know if that is possible. Tell me. I, I, I totally believe it is possible. If I didn't, I wouldn't be on the show with you. I wouldn't be writing things. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd just go out, you know, I wouldn't no, do that. No, 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 I think you misunderstood my question. What I'm saying is, I, I think we have to change the modus operandi if we are to, uh, if we are to really get to a, a type of, uh, of system where humanity comes first. Yes, yes. And, and I think we've been on that path even before the virus hit us. I think, you know, B corporations, benefit corporations. Yes. My, okay. my, my publisher was the first publisher to become a B corporation and then a benefit corporation. Conscious capitalism, you know, the Green New Deal. Uh, the fact that last August, 192 of the most powerful executives in the world came together at the business roundtable, and they made a statement that basically supported the life economy. They said, we no longer can, can focus on maximizing short-term profits. We can't do that any longer. We've got to move into a system that takes better care of our employees and, and our, 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 our customers and our supply chains and the environment. They, they said this. Now, they said this. That's a perception change that they're already going through. But now we, the people, have to take the action to make sure that they adhere to that. You know, I'm reminded of 
Franklin Roosevelt, at the end of World War II, he, he was meeting with the top executives of the auto industry's uh, labor unions. At the end of the meeting, he's shaking hands with them as they're all leaving the Oval Office, and he says, I think you guys now understand that I'm on your side. I want to do what you want me to do. You got to go out there now and get your rank and file to force me to do it because that's the only way I can deal with Congress and, and, and the big corporations. You've got to push. And I think that's where we are now, is I think many of these executives understand it. Those sociopaths are not, who don't understand it, they, what they do understand is success. And if we define success as short-term maximization of profits, that's what they'll go for. That's what they are going for. But if we turn that around and, and Time Magazine and Fortune Magazine, all these people, if we start honoring the, the executives and the politicians and the media people who are moving toward a life economy, then the sociopaths, that's, if that's the route, 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 route to success, to fame and fortune, <laughs> however they define it, yeah. they, will get, they will get on the bandwagon. So we, the people, have to push this thing. This is what we're talking about, true democracy here, globally. You know, that isn't unlike, you know, I got stopped by an officer um, and, uh, and it was one of those driving wild black issues and I got stopped by this officer and this officer after stopping me and having a conversation, he turned out to be very, very nice. And uh, I was going to the radio station where I was doing my show and uh, I, I, I went back to, well, after he stopped me and he, he just gave me a warning, no tickets or whatever, he shouldn't have stopped me in the first place. But I went back just because of the dialogue that we had and I said, hey, you know what? Let's take a picture together because this this was something that turned out pretty good to me. And I, then I went to the radio station and I, I talked about it, wrote a blog about it, and then this guy got a commendation after I wrote the blog and it went viral. But I got hell from the left. That is what he was supposed to do in the first place. And I said, well, maybe if we start rewarding people for doing good things, they will start to do good things. They would like the feeling of doing good things and do it. So I guess that is similar to what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I love that story. And, and it, 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 I know you don't mean it to in any way uh, smooth over the, 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 the terrible brutality that's also been going on. No, 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 all, not at all. Not at all. No, no, I know that. And, and, and they're, you know, I mean, they're, the, the good cops are in very difficult positions, too. But it's, it goes back to what I, I think I said earlier that, you know, if, we, if, if everybody writes a letter or an email or tweet to a co corporation and you don't, you don't start by saying, hey, Nike, I hate you because right. you're not paying your workers in Indonesia or India Affairs salary. No, no, no. You say, Nike, I love your products. I love your products. But I'm not going to buy them anymore until you pay your workers a fair salary or whatever it is, or, you know, I don't mean to pick on just Nike, but any company. And, and I think that's the way people respond much more strongly to positive actions like what, like what you expressed uh, there. And yes, uh, sometimes we will take, we'll take grief for this. You know, I take a lot of grief for saying, I, 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 you know, for sometimes defending the idea of capitalism like we did. And I'm, I'm pretty careful to say, you know, I'm not defending the current form of capitalism. Well, I mean, you, you heard me give a little bit of pushback on, uh, on capitalism as well, because I mean, I, I heard that, you know, I mean, you have access that I guess that is, that's a good thing, right? Because uh, the fact that you take the stance in the manner in the stance that you take and the fact that you are in that domain, you have the ability to be that interface. Yeah. And there, you all, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just I apologize for the background noise. Oh, That's no, I love it. I, I love can't it. fall off the window. <laughs> no, no. Look, I love it, man. But uh, the, the thing about it is that we always need that interface. I, I always tell people, right? Uh, we need people in every single segment, if you will. We need them in every segment. Your mic's off. Yeah, well, that was like, just avoid the noise from the cat uh, oh. <laughs> when you're talking. Uh, yeah, you know, I think we need to look at this as a as a as a win-win, uh, and that's why I think we we really need to bring these corporations around. Ultimately, it'd be great to get rid of the monopolies and the oligarchies. Make, I mean, you know, there's no question about it. I'd like to see all of that in. Well, I mean, you've it. spoken about the corporatocracy. I've seen yeah. I've seen things where you've you've you've, yeah. you've actually. And that's why that's why I said in the first place that you are sort of a dichotomy. But in speaking to you, it's the kind of dichotomy we need. Right. Well, yeah. So so I'd like to see all of that change. And I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. I'm 74 years old. Uh, but I do think it may happen in my grandson's lifetime. He's right. 13. Um, in the meantime, uh, we need to do everything we can to move into this new perception of maximizing long-term benefits. So listen to, the, so think, think of it this way. If all those big corporations ended, if they were all broken up, and if every business in the country was owned by the employees, which I think is the a great, yeah. I think is a great idea, but if that were to happen and we were still driven by the perception that the goal is to maximize short-term profits, regardless of the social and environmental costs, we'd still be in deep shit. Exactly. So yes, no, you're problem. right. Go for it, yeah. And, and so, so that's, that's a nice, it would be nice to have that system, but, but we also have to first or, or simultaneously move into a new perception of what it means to be successful as businesses and as human beings. It can no longer be about maximizing short-term consumptive materialistic consumptive desires where we just you know if if i don't if i don't wear this shirt i'm not going to get to be on your show <laughs> i mean that whole idea that if, if i don't buy the right clothes if i don't drive the right car i'm not going to get a good woman in my life or a good man or whatever it is i want in my life you know and we've got to move beyond that and, and regardless of who owns the companies who owns the businesses we've got to have a perception of what it means for those businesses to be successful that's in line with creating a sustainable world, a world that our children will want to inherit. Well, John, uh, I ask this question to all my guests. What haven't I asked you? And we uh, tell us for beforehand, tell us a little bit about your new book. Well, so Touching the Jaguar is a book that really brings together the five books I wrote on indigenous people and shamanism, shape-shifting, the world is as you dream at psychonavigation, with uh, the four on, on economics and global intrigue, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and, and three others that have sold over two million copies. Yeah, yeah and, and so it, it, this brings them together. And I've always seen a connection between those two seemingly disparate uh, genres, but people would ask me, you know, the, the shamanic people, the new age people would say, you're not that, you're not that jerk. There was an economic hitman, are you? And, the, and the, the business people would say, well, you're not that woo person, are you, that wrote those books on shamanism. But to me, there was always this connection, and that is that it, it, shamanism teaches us that perceptions control, can create reality. So does, so does quantum physics, teach us the same thing, yes. and, and psychotherapy. And that's what business is all about. 
you know, advertising, marketing is all about using perception to change the reality of what people buy, what they do. And so I saw that connection, but it was never expressed overtly in the books. Now, Confessions, uh, now uh, Touching the Jaguar, Transforming Fear into Action to Change Your Life in the World does that. And it does it through a lot of stories that I hope are fun to read and exciting because I, I write, you know, true stories, uh, narrative nonfiction. But in the end, too, it leaves people with a process that every one of us, every one of you, every one of your listeners uh, can use to make them, to, to bring a better life to, to them individually and create a better world. And so there's this, there's this 10 minute process that you can do once a day or once a week that takes you there. It basically revolves around five questions that we can ask ourselves and the answers then take us into this route where no matter whether you're a TV or a radio host or a writer or a carpenter or a plumber or a parent, or whatever you are, we all have a role to play in this. And it's, it's important, touching the Jaguar means identifying what, what, what we most want in our lives and identifying what blocks us. What are the barriers? What are the voices telling you, you can't do this? You're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not, you don't have enough education, whatever. And when we touch those voices, what kind of a change of perception do we get that allows us to move into actions that let us move into what it is we most desire? And so process in there that, 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 that goes into that. And that's, that's, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, to provide people with the backstories that'll inspire them to know that we can do this, to talk about the death versus the life economy, and then to leave them with a practice that they all can do that will, will uh, you know, take them on a journey into this whole adventure that we're on right now. Because let's face it, we've, we're living in an amazing time. We're, we're, we're very, I think we're, very, we're all very blessed to live in this time. And I don't mean to downplay the suffering and the people that have died and suffered throughout this on, on, on the racial issues and the pandemic issues. But this is an amazing, we're being shaken awake when the, you know, Pachamama is twitching very hard, very hard right now. Exactly, well, uh, now John, what would you have liked me to ask you that I haven't asked you? What are those five questions that we, each person can ask himself? That's you what they can ask me. What are <laughs> okay. the five questions? <laughs> so this, and, the, and I, I want to say that there's five questions then lead you to a daily practice that makes it easy to answer the questions on a daily basis. Questions are number one, what, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? What will bring you the greatest satisfaction? And I would answer that just as an example by saying, I want to write. I like to write. And I have a good friend who's a carpenter, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. He wants to work with his hands in wood. Okay, very different. The second question is, how, how do you, you do this in a way that helps other people? Because we all feel better if we're helping other people. So I would say I'm going to write stories that inspire people to make a better life for themselves and the world. My carpenter friend would say, I'm going to use sustainable materials. I want to use sustainable materials. The third question is, what's holding you back? What are the barriers? What are the jaguars that are keeping you from doing this? As a writer, I might say, I, I don't have enough time in my day to write every day. And the carpenter might say, well, my, my customers don't want to spend more money on sustainable materials. And so the fourth question is, when you touch that jaguar, how does it change your perception? As a writer, I'd say, well, I can get up half an hour earlier in the morning, or I can watch an hour less of television every night and create time for me to write. My carpenter friend touches the Jaguar, the Jaguar says, just tell your customers that this additional price and sustainable materials is not a cost. It's an investment. 
they're investing in their future and their children's future. And the fifth question is, what actions do I take every day, basically? And for a writer, it's you got to write. It doesn't have to be every day, but most every day. You got to discipline yourself to write. The carpenter has to go out there and, and build things, and 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 he doesn't have to write books about it, but he can say, "Hey, look, I just built this cabinet over here for you guys. Tell your children that you paid a little bit more for this cabinet, but you it's an investment in their future, just like an education would be or whatever. That I, you've invested in their future by building a cabinet with sustainable materials. So every one of us doesn't matter whether carpenter writer, a plumber, a teacher, whatever you are, every one of us can apply these. And every day, those, uh, frequently, those last three questions, what's holding me back? How do I change my perceptions? What actions do I take? Those will change. So I overcome, oh, okay, I'm not spending, I'm not, I'm not watching an hour less of television and I'm writing. The next day I write touches, ooh, well, what am I gonna write about? Oh. I want to write about the coronavirus. I don't know enough about the coronavirus. So I touch the jaguar and it says, well, learn a little bit and then write from your heart. And, you know, so every day we can, we'll confront more of these things, but each time, yeah, each time we overcome them, each time we touch that jaguar, it gives us energy. It takes us to a new level of consciousness and a deeper satisfaction with ourselves and our lives. So it's this amazing process that we can all go through to bring us better lives individually. What can you do to you know, change your life and the world? And we're impacting other people all the time. Whatever we do, we are in, we're all teachers. We're, every day we're, we're impacting other, other people by our words and our actions. John Perkins, let me tell you, I am on my third book, but I already started number three, number four, number five, and you just gave me the inspiration to take a few more minutes of the day to try to get them to hell finished. So, uh, John, <laughs> John Perkins, author and activist, 10 books, his new book, Touching the Jaguar. You'll have a link to it in uh, the blog post. Uh, we'll talk about it on the show as well. John Perkins, thank you so kindly for being on Politics Done Right. My pleasure, it's so great to be with you. Thank you for what you do. I, I love what you're doing and, and just and keep doing it. I'm Egberto Willis, host of Politics Done Right, an independent news program. I post several news videos of interest every day. I ask you so kindly to subscribe to my channel and please leave me some comments. Thank you very much.